Hey everybody, Bob Beatty Bar here, and welcome to episode 13 of the My Friends Are Amazing podcast. I feel like it's been a while, huh, with the holidays and everything going on. Schedules were a little scattered and I didn't really book that many guests, but hopefully you caught the episodes that I did with the uh, kind of the mini series of My Children Are Amazing. That was a great, uh, great to interview all three of them. So hopefully you can listen back to those. Uh, I also spend a little energy over the holidays working on a a new content creation hobby. And uh, we'll talk about that when we talk to the sponsors. This week, I had the honor of having Keith Hubbard on the show for uh, just an amazing conversation. And I think everyone's going to really enjoy that. But before we get to that, I just want to let everybody know that our listen goal is about 1500. So help us get there by clicking that subscribe link or, you know, just listening to the podcast. Uh, We have tons of ways for you to find, or I have tons of ways for you to find the podcast. You can go on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Just search uh, My Friends Are Amazing, and you can even do it on Google, and all kinds of different outlets will come up. So just pick your favorite podcast subscription service and hit that subscribe button, please. And uh, also, don't forget, if you have an Amazon digital assistant, try the AnyPod skill. It's really great for listening to any podcast, but if you just say that pod or that uh, digital assistant's name and ask to play My Friends Are Amazing, uh, it will totally come right up. So today's the podcast is brought to you by Social Imposter, reputation management for social networking profiles. Social Imposter is a customized service utilizing proprietary technology that finds and mitigates the removal of fake social network pages on behalf of high-profile brands, actors, athletes, models, musicians, politicians, military officers, business people, members of the clergy, and their management teams. So basically, if you have an internet presence or social media presence and you're worried about your name being impersonated and it could actually hurt your reputation or it could hurt the people who follow you by scamming money out of them, you need to look up my buddy Kevin Long at socialimposter.com. He will definitely get you taken care of. This week, the podcast is also brought to you by The Bob and Kevin Show. The Bob and Kevin Show streams live on YouTube every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, and we have just started adding midweek content too. Bob and Kevin cover all things tech. We start with a rapid-fire headlines uh, segment from the week prior. Uh, we talk about security, new and innovative hardware technology, cryptocurrencies, and don't forget our YouTube famous quiz segment. If you browse on over to bobandkevin.show, yep, I said Bob and Kevin. Show. You can subscribe and get notified about all of our upcoming live broadcasts or catch up on all of our content. So tonight on the podcast, as I said, my guest was Keith Hubbard. Keith is a purpose-driven SCI survivor searching for a cure. His mission is to make enough noise to make a difference in the lives of people with disabilities. He's a friendly person that loves the Umbraco community and the Umbraco CMS. Umbraco has changed his life, and he says, high five, you rock. Keith is a strong believer of faith and family, and he's a twin. Yes, there's an exact copy of Keith walking this beautiful earth that was brought on this earth by his amazing mother. Keith says he can't sleep, so he does web development, information technology, network engineering, marketing, video production, ethical hacking, photography. He pimps out Honda Elements. He loves music, farming, beer, and food. He's got a lot of things going on, but I guess since he doesn't sleep, he's got plenty of time for that. He's the chief creative director of IT Media Studio, and he is the CEO of Cure Not Care and Hubs Beer. So let's just get on with meeting Keith Hubbard. Hey, Keith. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty great. Just another awesome day here in Virginia. 
well, just wanted to say thanks for coming. And I guess we'll just jump right in. So I read your bio and uh, I read it as a purpose-driven SCI survivor. So I think, you know, maybe a question that everyone would like to hear the answer to or maybe define is what exactly is a survivor of an SCI? I am an SCI survivor, which means I have a spinal cord injury. And that spinal cord injury uh, is a T7A, which means that I fractured my T7 vertebrae. And when that fracture happened, it bruised my T8. So I have a little bruise on my spinal cord. Um, And the best way to kind of explain it is your spinal cord kind of is where your central nervous system is. Everything has got a little fiber. Just like a, uh, the best way to explain it is a set of hairs. You know, when you cut that hair off, it dies. So I've got a little bruise in a spot. And um, one of those explanations, and I guess you and I have talked, and I kind of explained that it's kind of like a grape or a uh, tomato. And the amazing thing, the amazing thing is you can drop it on the ground. It's going to dent. It's instantly bruised, you know, or you have a bruise on a tomato. You stick it in the sunlight and uh, it will actually come back. It just uh, mine has come back slowly over 15 years. Uh, January 6, 2003 is when I had my car wreck um, and I call it a car wreck not a car accident for a reason. Uh, I don't, you know, um, I had a uh, alcohol-related car accident. Um, January 6, 2003, I was uh, driving down a road near my home uh, in a, what I call a throwaway sports car. And uh, we'll definitely get into talking about some of my hobbies and things, but uh uh, I was kind of, uh, I was 28 years old. Um, I was the network uh, systems guy for a company called TriTech Labs here in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, and my job was to automate their plant. And for all you females out there, uh, and for all you gentlemen are familiar with this, they made all the soaps, lotions, and gels for Bed Bath & Beyond. So um, my background is actually in manufacturing. Uh, So here in Virginia, it is, you know, quite a few, uh, I would say, businesses that it's the capital of the world of, but I don't want to get too, too much into that. I want to finish this story about my spinal cord injury. That's great. I was really hoping that we were going to loop back to that. So uh, just uh, keep going. Well, I'm actually, well, that's also part of this. I mean, the bio says quite a bit, you know, and um, a lot of people don't understand disability. So, you know, we'll get into that, but I want to definitely, um, there is a possibility. I'm actually... I actually have an organization called Cure Not Care, and our entire um, focus with Cure Not Care is is to empower spinal cord injuries. Um, along with that, I do run a couple of other businesses, and just we'll get. I, I'm always excited. I'm always talking, and 
and that is my my most powerful voice. So yes, there is a possibility. I'm actually out here researching. Uh, Denmark has had something to do with that. Um, uh, Umbraco has had something to do with that. Uh, and just me and my amazing mother have had something to do with that. I'm just not going to give up. You know, if I'm going to be in this prison, I'm going to go out here. Um, we're on this earth to have fun. And that's a lo- one thing that a lot of people don't understand, you know, and, and we're out here to learn and grow. And I, when I say this prison, my ultimate goal is to find a cure for a spinal cord injury. But uh, along with that, to also empower others. Uh, I was very lucky and very blessed. Um, so I was still working in the computer industry. Um, you know, when I had my car wreck, I knew I couldn't climb in racks anymore. And I found sitting in a hospital bed, you know, I'm just like thinking, and I was, was actually talking to, um, you know, my boss at TriTech Labs, and he was like, well, I'm, I'm going to get you a laptop, this and that. And then it, then the powers that be, uh, he was he was the son of the president, and I guess the president decided he did not feel that I could return to work in enough time because we automated that plant. We went from seven lines to 14 lines automated, built this bulk inventory system, and really, you know, for Bed Bath & Beyond. And I was two weeks in the hospital, and they sent me a letter saying if I couldn't return to work, that I was terminated, here's my money from my vacation, and so on and so forth. And at that point, I decided not that I would never work for anybody else again other than myself. Uh, but what that led to was me laying in a hospital bed thinking, well, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? So to really explain it, I was heading home one night, you know, uh, just like any kind of young 28 year old, I'm out having a great time. I'm, you know, uh, going to the bars, so on and so forth. Uh, and just having a life. Uh, but I like to, uh, race cars, uh, and I'm still into cars. So, you know, my mother is terrified that I've actually got some or getting some cars, but I was driving down the a back road to my house, um, going probably way too fast in certain points, pushing the limits. I just put a new set of shoes and for people that don't know what shoes are in a car is the tires and, and a supercharger on a, um, 2003, uh, 2002 Mitsubishi Eclipse GT. Um, and, there's one curve before you get to my house, which is in this place called Evington, and uh, it's nicknamed E-Town, but Evington is probably one of the only places in Lynchburg that is underdeveloped, and these are country bumpkins, and I loved every minute of going out there and <laughs> getting away from my stressful um stressful bit work, you know, because I was a network engineer responsible for all these things. Anyway, 
So there's this one curve that I always know to slow down to at least 60 before I got to my house just because it's that sharp and so many. So that night it was a little hazy. Uh, back then I didn't listen to the weather. I didn't know it, <laughs> know that it was a little slick out. Um, but it, it, it actually happened just at that moment. But I came around this curve and three deer ran out. I managed to swerve and miss them. But I think uh, Papa Buck was fearing that I'd unplowed over his siblings and his wife. And he came straight in, bucked straight into the front of that car. And I fought him for 200 feet, uh, screaming and, and yelling at him. He was actually kicking in the hood of the car. And he was, um, you know, banging. And about the fourth time, swerving back and forth, tossing gravel, his last kick, the airbag kicked and knocked me out. And when I came to, I was in the back of the hatch, um, in the only place in the car uh, that wasn't kind of mangled and crumbled up. And that one little spot, I'd, funny of all things, coincidences, I had broken the hatchback a, a couple of days before and was supposed to go the next day and uh, get it repaired. And that's where I landed. And I, I instantly knew when I came to that I was trying to um, trying to find the cell phone. I was like, I can't move my legs. I instantly knew I'd had a spinal cord injury. You know, I just, yeah, well, my mother's an, a nurse, you know, and, and I've got a twin brother. So, um, you know, she, <laughs> she raised two wild twin brothers and Kevin, Kevin is just as an amazing person as I am. And I, we both say we owe it to our mothers and our fathers. You know, they're just, you know, I'm very lucky to say I have two awesome parents, you know. Uh, I actually was in the best shape of my life. I had a 90-pound uh, Rottweiler named Athena, and she is the sweetest sweetheart but she loved to run uh nine miles or so almost every day and i just ran with her and and we just had the the most fun um and she could pull you like crazy and uh that was the hardest dog that i ever trained the most uh, you know the love the most loving dog um and uh I mean, literally, I ran. I, I had a beer gut. She had to keep me running because I was drinking at least a six-pack of Newcastle, you know, before seven or eight o'clock a day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what encouraged the beer. Um, so, you know, that's what it has encouraged the beer. I'm actually si right now sipping on a Hub's Crippled Brown Ale, and. Uh, so the brown ale is totally inspired by Newcastle. Yes. And then there's a red ale because my mother loves Killian's Red. It's as a child, I was 16, 17 years old. And, you know, high school kids will be high school kids. And, you know, mom liked the uh, she would rather us at 17, 18 years old. You know, if you're going to drink, you're going to be at home. 
<laughs> you know, and, and my mother is one of the most Christian women I know, but she managed to look at that as, look, you know how I feel about it, but if, if you're going to do it, you know, at least do it where I know you're safe. And that was one of the n- number one rules. So, you know, on January 6, 2003, I didn't listen to my mother. <laughs> right. But you were 28. It does get a little bit more difficult to listen to your mom once you've turned 28. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, anyway. So, yeah, um, the funny thing is, is you asked me about being in the hospital. And, and being in the hospital, I... Um, I was only at UVA. <laughs> I was only at UVA. Um, I'm sorry. I need to close the door. My mother and my assistant are uh, cooking swordfish and stuff. So that, well, I had to figure out a solution for her because she's had back-to-back knee surgeries, and I had to find a solution for me because I've got way too much stuff going on. <laughs> Um, um, so I only spent two and a half days at UVA in their medical center. And it is one of the best teaching. That's where Christopher Reeves was, um, you know, and they helped him a lot. Um, so basically I, um, was in that, they literally threw me in, I would, you know, Actually, this is a part of the story that, that will definitely be shocking. I actually laid there in that car um, and tried to reach for my cell phone. And I couldn't reach it. I'm trying and I'm trying. And then I finally get to the point where I'm touching the tip of the antenna. And I had came to and I had came to to the door jar. And this and this. 2002 Mitsubishi Eclipse GT is a throwaway race car, but it only had two lights in it. That's the one that had the great marketing. Remember, zoom, 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 and had the Oriental and everything. And uh, that that marketing kind of sold me on it. But, you know, I wanted, you know, I'm not a big Mitsubishi fan either, but I'm a huge Honda fan. Anyway, um, I just took a chance and bought it because I had had a Honda Civic that it kind of, you know, shit the bid. And it was like, well, screw it. Yeah, let's try this out. And that car was a lot of fun. That's closest to some of my favorite race cars for a foreign car ever. Anyway, so the doctors and all, you know, um, really just were amazed at my health but my health was there because I was running with a 90-pound Rottweiler. But wait, 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 wait. Go back. You said that you almost had the antenna of the phone. How long were you in the car? About 45 minutes, and it was starting to snow. I'll tell you, this is a you know this this is really the first time that I've actually told this story, you know, and I'm telling it to a lot of people. <laughs> and if you're not nervous, you know, and and. I deal with performances every day, but for me to actually be here and... Well, let me put your mind at ease. It's really not that many people at this time, so you, you can just go ahead and be brave. Uh, well, you know what? I, I will say that it will be because I will share it with everyone. <laughs> and, and, you know, I love both of your shows. 
You know, this is all, you know, this is right now a different ecosystem. And that's why I'm so excited about this time. You know, we've had now we can be the creators. We can be the ones that can make some influence in this world and make it a better place. You know, we don't have to worry about the media. We don't have to worry about what's going on in politics. We can make a difference and and do it just like um just like I would think our founders wanted, you know, and it can be done with the last freedom we have, which is the internet. And that's exactly. Oh yeah. And And we're just going to keep hitting these wild, wild West all the time. 15 years from now will be another wild, wild West. Who knows what it's going to be like, but I'm sure there's going to have to do with artificial intelligence or assistive technologies or any of those things. Well, you know, finding a cure for a spinal cord injury, I don't care if I've got to have a USB plug. I don't care what it takes. Um, I'm ready to spring these legs. If I've got to have a mech suit built, I'm going to go find the machinist to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on with those, but are you ready to move on and talk about Cure Not Care at this point? Or is there a bit more with uh, the accident still? Uh, certainly I am, but let's finish. Um, you know, so yeah, there's a there's a big Slurpee cup in, the, in, in these... Uh, Mitsubishi eclipses. Um, and, you know, back then it was a Nokia cell phone and it had the little, uh, it wasn't a flip phone. It wasn't any of those uh, great, great little devices that we're getting to use today. But Nokia makes solid software. I don't care what anybody says, communication software. And, um, and then they make great indestructible phones. And the, only thing, and the only thing that destroyed that phone was the radiator cap off of the uh, engine. So the, the deer tore the, engine, tore, the, uh, tore the hood up enough. And uh, actually what happened was when I hit that deer, I jerked the steering wheel to the left and I spun around and I wrapped that 2002 Mitsubishi Eclipse around a pine tree. And when I came to, I was in the back of the hatch and I couldn't move my legs. Um, I reached for that cell phone, the radiator cap um, uh, uh, burst because I had broken the block in half and the frame um it's amazing i was going 60 miles an hour approximately in that um when i came around that curve and there had been many nights i had done that curve probably at you know 80 and even you know drifting that car was that was car was able to drift do a lot of things but this night i was just driving you know and um So when it radiator burst, it burned the cell phone up. I'm just sitting there going, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How on earth is, how, where, where am I? You know, it wouldn't work because it burned it up. No, they brought it to the hospital the next day and that Nokia phone, the only thing that was burned up and destroyed, you know, that, uh, that, uh, coolant was, you know, hot and it melted the, the rubber little push buttons, you know, um, on the phone. And it was a brown color when they brought it to me, um, brought it to me in the hospital. So I'm laying there, um, 
these cars only had two map lights. So it's smoky. Uh, the windows were tinted, so a lot of the glass didn't cut me. Um, but I couldn't move. And um, there was what we call an Alta Vista newspaper delivery girl um, coming down the road. And all I heard was her cussing and screaming. And so I didn't, I was just like, oh my gosh, I hope this loud, loud woman finds me or sees something. And she went by and by that time, finally, um, some of the smoke or something um, had, was, had made enough of a occurrence for her to say, ooh, something's going on. And she, I guess she saw something and she came over there. She was delivering the, um, delivering newspapers and one of, I guess women call them long night pajama shirts or whatever. And, um, and you know, she came over there, said, are you okay? And I said, yes, please dial 911. I can't move my legs. And, uh, she called 911 and, um, time to take a sip of beer here. <laughs> Please hold. Oh, and a cup of coffee. It's been a long day. Uh, you don't drink well when I'm drinking a dark beer. That's one thing. But I actually uh, at least take a shot of coffee at this time of day because I will be ready to crash and I've still got plenty of work to do. <laughs> um, so she took her shirt off and, and uh, wiped the antifreeze uh, off off my face and everything because there was a one little corner right at the edge um, where it shattered, you know, the, the glass and she was able to reach in and wipe the antifreeze all over my face, all over my hands. So I had a few little burns and stuff from that antifreeze. It was hot. Um, and she dialed 911. They called you know, they came with, I would say, so I'd laid there about 45 minutes in the freeze and rain. I mean, and it was cold. I was shivering. I, I didn't realize that I was shivering because of a spinal cord injury. I just thought it was cold. <laughs> well, right. But you could have like been suffering from hypothermia even. Yeah. And, um, well, I'd actually damaged my diaphragm. So whatever happened, the, the thing that we can think that the theory that we all have and um, is that I had a laptop sitting behind the seat. And if you've ever been in a Camaro or any kind of sports car, you know, your back seats are really just bucket seats. Right. Uh, cosmetic, really. Know. Yeah. Well, they're cosmetic, but it's always been fun to ride in the back seat of one of those. <laughs> um, so the laptop was there. And the only thing that we can really think of is, is while it, while it was wrapping itself around the pine tree, um, that it folded back, the seatbelt actually broke loose. I, and everybody always comes up, well, you could have sued and this and that. No, I, it, it, I don't even believe in that. Um, but the seatbelt had cut me from right about, you know, three or four inches to the right of my uh, belly button all the way up to my left nipple. And it, when it came off, I guess I folded up and spinning. I hit the, where my point of injury is T7-8. Um, 
uh, I guess I hit the top of the cab and then landed in that one spot in the hatchback. And um, really, a lot of people don't understand spinal cord injuries and, and really don't understand disability. And, um, you know, I am, I, I am a pure advocate, you know, for my very own uh, reasons and purposes that have affected my life, but also my mother. So, and disability has been around me all my life. My uncle had cerebral palsy and I was, you know, I would say, you know, I have names or we have nicknames and, and, you know, we have all kinds of wild things going on that we talk about different, um, genders or, or not genders, but different preferences. And, uh, the fun thing is, you and I had a conversation before this show talking about something and you said, well, hold on one second and why don't you walk? <laughs> and so I we, think my exact words were don't walk past that door while we're recording. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what you said. And we'll talk about that door in a minute. Um, but, you know, uh, we have a, I have a new, you know, we we like to be called disabled. We're not handicapped. I don't even really like to say uh, handicap parking, but that's pretty much the PC, and I would love that to be changed to disabled parking. Um, and I will. There's a few other things we got to talk about care, not care, but and I'm I'm kind of excited, and every day I'm excited, and and, and you know, and I know, um, when when you get around me, it's a it's going to be a 30 minute conversation, you know, if I want a heart to heart with you. So. Uh, <laughs> So to get back on track, yes. Um, so it's been around my life, but as a kid, um, my grandmother always said that she was um, given an angel. And, uh, you know, there's some things in this world that I can actually, you know, say. And, and you know, I, I, I couldn't imagine life. A lot of people couldn't imagine life. He never went without a, a need or want which a lot of us would definitely love to have. And, uh, but he spent his life in a wheelchair and in a medical bed his entire life, you know, um, or almost his entire life. When he was younger, he, um, he had braces like Forrest Gump. So I know what a set of KFOs are. Um, he never actually spoke a word after um, the cerebral palsy kind of took took him over. Um, things that he enjoyed in his day were something like cartoons and and Christian shows, and he loved trains, all kinds of wonderful things. But what I learned during that time as a child was we went to this beautiful. Uh, which we didn't think at that time was a beautiful, awesome farm uh, that my grandfather actually bought with um, $3,500, half a dozen cattle and half a dozen chicken. Uh, it says it in the deed. He came fresh out of World War II and bought 87 acres in the middle of Bedford County. And, and, you know, a lot of people are products of, um, actually, you know what, 
I said not to walk past that door, but I'm going to snag a water bottle. So if we if we roll past this door and get a little interference for a second, I'm sorry. I'm thirsty. <laughs> I am back already. It's that quick. You know, that's the that's the advantage to to having wheels or treads. And especially when you have a brand new wheelchair that I've only had for a week and a day. And that one's from Medicare, which we'll talk about, which took quite some time. So Lizard Ridge Road is a place in Bedford County that loops kind of around a certain portion of the edge of it um, in the town of Bedford. And uh, it's a small little town. It's called, you know, it's actually said, if you look up Bedford, Virginia, it's, it's world's best little town, best little town. Um, and that's where my grandfather was. My parents split up and Kevin and I were sent to the, sent to this place and every day that we had to go to school, we rode on a, a, a school bus for at least an hour and a half, making um, making one stop at, at an elementary school and then making a second stop at our high school, Jefferson Forest. So every day we would have to get up. And my grandfather was a true old school depression child. And we were to, you know take care of the garden. We had to make sure that, um, to go chase the cows and get them all, all, uh, to go do what they needed to do and, um, learn different things. Uh, we had some of the funnest childhoods ever, and we actually helped do things with Glenn and, but we really didn't understand it. We, you know, um, that's the biggest thing is, when a person is walking or stumbling or, or crawling, no matter what, and, and you see they may need some help, um, some of them are independent. I'm independent. Glenn wasn't independent. Glenn, you know, could not even um, feed himself. So my grandmother, you know, uh, every day would get him up. Uh, she would feed him breakfast. She'd get him in a chair. Um, she would... Uh, you know, actually, every every meal was either mashed or blended to make sure that he, um, you know, could actually swallow it. Um, and he lived to be 40 years old. And for somebody that was, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I never really understood the entire thing other than I can only sit here and think to myself, you know, uh, a lot of things that everybody concerns themselves about were not concerns of his. They really just were not concerns of his. He never um, probably he never had a girlfriend. Um, you know, he probably never even kissed a girl. Um, I'm sure he had plenty of girls and uh, wonderful people uh, that kissed him. But to actually say that he had a girlfriend. No, I don't think that ever happened. Um, but he got to sit on that land in one of the most peaceful places that, uh, I can honestly say, and it is my refuge. If I, yes, it's the farm that we are on now. Yes. And, uh, and I'm doing some pretty, pretty awesome stuff on it. And, 
my mom and I and even my brother are living our dream. So you've got, and my father's even in on this, and I've got a lot of amazing friends, amazing uh, people in the area that are all excited about it. And they're all like, what do you need? How can I help? What do we need to do to get this done? And it's amazing. And that's what, you know, uh, that's the way the town of Bedford is. And they're really restructuring things. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, it's not a race. There's actually a new brewery that just came in there called Beals. Um, Beals is named after um, the Beal treasure. And if you've ever watched Discovery Channel uh, and look it up, uh, you will find out some things. But Beals is actually a personal, another Bedford original, and he's got he's doing things in the area uh, and he is going on his third uh, brewery or distillery. You know, so there's a lot of things in Virginia happening in the brew industry. And I had joked for years with all my buddies that, um, you know, our background is, my background is kind of a lot of things. And there's a lot of funny quotes that I've heard from some of the guys in the community that we're going to do later on or doing some posts. But I am actually running a brewery or building a brewery. I'm actually running a nonprofit called Cure Not Care. And I'm doing it with some, uh, with a lot of people that all happen truly organically. And I think um, being that it's 15 years that I've been in this uh, buggy cart, that uh, a lot of my hard work and a lot of trials, a lot of valleys and a lot of mountains have gotten out of the way. Um, and I think you and I have even had conversations that say things like, you know, once you turn get to your 40s, you know, you've been struggling with a few things. You finally decide you want to become a great developer. Oh, and, huh, um, I will never be a good developer. Wanna, no less great. I, I, like I said, I want. I'm an awful. I, I will actually I will tell anybody that I think I am a horrible developer. I'm a great vision person. I, I know my purpose, but I know one thing. I know where I can find good people. But most of these good people have all came organically. Um, it's, it's, it's totally the best way. Uh, and, and a lot of things happened organically. Uh, you know, um, it's really, you know, I, I gave you my bio, I've given you some pictures, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I can do some posts and some fun things about. And probably what I'm doing right now is just kind of laughing at some of the code and different things and, and, and having too much fun deciding what I want. So now I need other people to just start seeing some stuff and implementing it because it is so hard to tell your own story. I don't care who you are. If you're, you know, we're all artists, we're all, um, creative people. And my hardest critic is always going to be myself. Uh, but I'm having too much fun working with a lot of customers. Uh, and I'm, you know, I mean, I'm honestly 
to a point where freelance works and I've got a lot of people that believe in me and I want to build a team and part of that team is going to actually be built in Bedford County and Bedford County is, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it being there. And when James brought that brewery, I'm like, I got a farm and this farm is less than 10 minutes from the brewery. He's got three locations and I want to do something different, but I also want to do something that's going to benefit the brew industry. And it is just uh, really exciting. And I've got a business partner named uh, Russia and Russia is from um, from Russia. Uh, he came here 14 and some odd years ago. He was born uh, with club feet and hands, and he's going to kill me for saying that here. And I, I, and I don't care what anyone says. He has endured adversity all of his life, um, but he has such a talent. He's uh, he's the artist that did the logo for your Cure Not Care, right? Yes, he is. And Hubs Beer and a bunch of other things. And he is totally, totally Russian, totally mafia. He is my collection agent. He is anything that needs to be done. Uh, he is just awesome. And when I met him, it was like uh, two unicorns meeting. It was nothing but uh, a... <laughs> It was just nothing like, oh, yeah, I bet you my machine is better than yours. And uh, and and it's just been a fun, fun ride. And I says, oh, yeah, I've been seeing what you what you do. And I'd been traveling a little bit and and I hadn't been over at the restaurant where I kind of conduct a lot of business in a while. And he was hired there. And the owner is a good friend of mine. And the first thing that he said to him when Russia gave him the application was he looked at his hands and he was like, how can I put this guy to work? And and I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, he'll never be able to carry two plates in his hand, <laughs> you know, because he's born with club feet and hands. So those two hands and I just call them two brushes or, um, you know, I, I I can say it's amazing to watch this guy, and um, I just have so much fun. But he he is he is very much an artist on a mission, and sometimes I have to reel him in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he's just very much an artist. <laughs> yes, he is, and um, but you know, other than that, he is a wrencher. He is a tooler. He is pretty much everything that I am. Um, you know, my twin brother and I have all our lives, we were four or five years old and my dad's always worked on cars. So I, I, I knew how to change an alternator on a car before a car, you know, before I knew what I was doing, <laughs> because if I was going to see my dad, it was going to be under the hood of a car. <laughs> um, so Russia you know, it, I, I just call him a star. He is just one of my best friends. We talk every day and I'm having so much fun running IT Media Studio, Cure Not Care, 
and hub services with some of my best friends and wanting and now have an opportunity to start really finding some freelancers that can work this area with me. And all of them kind of coincide in themselves. But um, going to that restaurant, I don't know what it is. You know, I think it's really healthy. I think everybody should have, you know, a watering spot. And it's just uh, a bunch of guys with really artsy, artsy personalities. I get to meet so many, you know, and we've really, you know, so Bert is one of my customers and, you know, pretty much, you know, I, I think what has really motivated me is I just like to make make things cool. <laughs> and it all started from riding skateboards with my twin brother. We grew up in the time of true gorilla, gorilla street marketing um, because the skateboard industry is something that uh, really, um, really just had to always reinvent itself. And my brother and I were, were out at that, out at that farm. We had nothing to, you know, to do. And we fell in love with riding BMX bikes for a while. And then we found skateboards and, you know, um, a lot of the things that we're seeing today just kind of blow us away in that industry. But we still talk about it today. Well, because and, it's, it's still actually an ever evolving industry. It's beyond, but back during my high school years and up to like the 2000s was was the mecca of the industry. It's when it started getting uh, big time. You know, I'm 43, and I mean, we we got to see some of the pioneers. They literally skateboarding was so huge. There were skate shops all over the place. Now you now you may see some in big cities, uh, but here we had like one place which was the bike shop and skateboards started getting so big so he did both and then um things got kind of organic you know and then you actually had skaters opening skate shops and those became the cool culture and that's kind of the way life is today with the millennials um but that whole industry was influenced by pal Peralta for years and that was it. They were the company. You had, you know, some big names like Tony Hawk, Lance Mountain, um, Mike Vallelli, uh, and all the graphics and everything were actually silk screened, but they were actually they were actually drawn. You know, we had the T-shirts, the stickers, everything that you know, and all the wild things, and you wanted all of that. And the crazy thing is. I'm collecting art, and you know what my favorite art to collect is? Skateboard decks from that time of year. And I'm just... Keith, do you have one of the Umbraco skate decks? I do not. I do not have, a, have one. I think that there was from the 2010, maybe, or the 10th Code Garden. Now, nah, maybe it was 2010, but I think there's three or four of them floating around the world out there. You might want to try to get a hold of one. Yeah, well, I'm sure, you know what, if, if that happens organically, it'd be pretty cool, but I know I can print my own. <laughs> it's pretty much... Well, right, but these are not just, you know, Umbraco logos. These were actually uh, custom designed. I'm sure they use on there somewhere, but yeah, these were definitely, uh, these are definitely handcrafted. Check out 
Doug Robar's uh, Flickr feed. I'm sure there's a picture of or two of them out there. They're definitely pretty hot. So, yeah, so we had the skateboards and, you know, we had to become inventive out on the farm for things. We had to, you know, granddaddy would never let us build a half pipe, but we rode, we rode on a, um, on a old dirt, literally it was a service treated road. So we had the hard wheels and, and, and we did it and we learned, but when we weren't there, we were in the, in the town of Bedford. And we were in Lynchburg and we were, you know, it was like, um, there's a lot of things in the world. It was the funnest thing, uh, we could do it being 13, 14, 15 years old. You know, we, you know, it got to a point they wouldn't let us bring our boards to school. You know, the whole thing, you know, you've seen all of the skateboard villains, skate or die, that stuff, the skates, you know, skateboarding is not a crime. Um, but there was, kind of some things that came out of um out of pal always being the top and they are the top tony hawk is still number one the best skater in the world there's others you know but uh he changed the industry and then he took it from that forefront and has made it what it is today without without him there wouldn't be x games without him there wouldn't be tony hawks pro skater you know without activision these are all great software companies you know and and now his son is skating and that is exciting so it's we all have a following we all have something you know but that's kind of been my big marketing thing so but he didn't really do it they actually struggled there's a lot of bones brigade videos out right now and they're doing some and 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 um you know so we all had video cameras you know we're skate video so that tells you where a lot of this equipment and things come from it's just kind of been bred in our blood stacy peralta you know was the first person to make a video and then he sold that video and then he marketed that video and these things were so organic you know, that, um, you know, you had to actually go to the skate shop, you know, and, and the day that the skate, that that video was coming out, it was all done in the magazines. So all the paraphernalia, everything was done in the magazines. And the great thing about the marketing for Pal Peralta, you know, that time was, was basically, um, they would just do the most outrageous stuff. They would sit stuff on fire, you know, um, you know, the ads were just totally abnormal and they were brilliant and they were done by just some funny artist, you know, just having fun. And that's what this is. And that's what it's all about. Well, they never saw it coming, but you had a few other skaters that formed a, uh, uh, formed a, something called world industries. And, uh, and they made a company and did the most wildest, uh, things you could ever do. Um, I mean, it's just literally, literally so funny. Some of the things that we would see and, um, let me Google something real quick. Because I'm well, Keith. Actually, you know, we can keep talking about the skating if you want, but I'm really interested in learning more about Cure Not Care, and actually think uh, people listening would really learn to, or really love to learn more about that foundation as well, and, and how you're making a difference through that Cure Not Care. 
It is. It is. So anyway, that's where my marketing is from. So it's aggressive. But Steve Rocco, Rocco is got a documentary out called The Man That Sold the World. The Man Who Sold the World. And it's a great documentary if you want to learn about skateboarding or learn about marketing in the skateboarding industry. Oh, automatic play. I'm sorry. Junior, what a great marketing strategy. Um, so Cure Not Care is a nonprofit organization. Right now we are still waiting on the 5013C process, but it's a nonprofit organization to empower spinal cord injuries. Um, a lot of people don't understand some of the things I was saying about my uncle, but when you're paralyzed, people just think you can't walk. They don't understand that from your point of in injury, you're now just, you know, things don't function. You know, um, there's plenty of stories where I hear people wiggle their toes. I can't wiggle my toes. I can wiggle part of my legs, but you're, you're disabled. So, you know, I can't, you know, I can't go to the bathroom like a normal person. I have to kind of plan everything and I have to keep my body on a schedule. I have to stay aware of a lot of things. Uh, and I deal with chronic pain that, um, I hear people complain about all the time. Um, I cannot move anything below my belly button, uh, or not. I, I said, I have, n I, I can't fully mobility on my own fire my legs or anything below the belly button and I have the bruise more on the right side of my body than I do the left I can wiggle part of some of my left just a little bit I do have a lot of spasms um, but people don't understand everything you go through to be a you know uh, to, to be in a chair and um, there's tons of things that I, I just want to go out here and I want to empower other spinal cord injuries because your average average person or st statistically um, you know most spinal cord injuries are, are males they're between the ages of 18 and 28 uh, they've never really um, had a huge income. Uh, I was fortunate that I had a talent and I had a trade. Um, and I had a family uh, that was was basically prepared to an extent to uh, to get me along and, uh, and, and an amazing mother that's a nurse. Um, but a lot don't. You know, uh, on average, on average, uh, these spinal cord injuries will never make more than eight hundred dollars a month from Social Security. Uh, and it is very expensive to be in a chair. The one I'm sitting in right now um, is right at forty one hundred. And when I say that, I had to pay a deductible because it's the first of the year. And then I had to pay 20% um, for that chair. And then other insurances and, and things covered the rest. And that's through Medicare. Um, 
in order to get this wheelchair, I've had to fight since uh, June 11th, uh, which is right. But this is the replacement chair, right? Yeah, this is the crappy one. <laughs> well, right, uh, but this is the one to replace the one you got damaged in the travel, right? Exactly. So anyway, with Cure Not Care, we put hand controls. If, if I find a spinal cord injury that is not, doesn't have a car, uh, Russia and I will go find them a car. And, uh, and Russia and I will go find them a set of hand controls. Uh, instead of those hand controls cost thir- uh, right now thirteen ninety five. I haven't bought a set in about two years, so it probably has gone up a hundred or two hundred dollars. Um, you have to get a special license to drive them. So we have we have a we get them get them if they are not if they are not at Woodrow Wilson or they have not gotten to a place to learn how to drive. We get them there. Uh, these are the kind of donations that I'm putting in the shopping cart. And right now I haven't done anything because I've been dealing with my own stuff, but I'm going to specifically pass some things to a few people. So, and, and so that they can get in here and log in and help me. Uh, and that's the entire reason I went to Denmark this past year, passed out some t-shirts, told some things about it. Uh, HQ took care of some things, but I had no idea leaving Copenhagen and going to Istanbul. I decided to get a decent ticket with Priceline, and they booked me through Turkish Airlines. And um, and leaving that Sunday to go back, I had the most one of the most horrible experiences I've ever had on an airline. And I don't really, you know, and. I, I can't say anything, but that Turkish Airlines uh, is based out of Turkey. I'm not going to get into it, but too much. But they have very little understanding of the disabled. Uh, it, it, this leaving Copenhagen, I was all gun ho about cure not care. I've got all these guys uh, uh, that are going to help me out. I was and. And I never thought in a million years that I would get a life lesson. And, you know, I think I was ready for it. I was excited about it. And, uh, you know, even when I hand, handed Pete Dunkison a, a T-shirt, he looks at me and I tell him a few things. And he actually said, is there anything you don't do? And that just made me <laughs> – it, it, it was so fun. And I it was actually sitting there talking to Shannon. And, 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 and that was the last day of, uh, code guarding and I was just ready to rock, but there's so many struggles. And in order to get this wheelchair, I have, I, I did, had to wait on Medicare. There is actually a three and a half month wait. There's that many people needing wheelchairs. And those are the ones that actually qualify and have either Medicare or insurance, uh, the ones that don't have to fight with it, you know, and have to figure out how to buy a wheelchair. You can buy them um, on retail spots and different things. So, you know, I'm just basically doing the research. I'm out here trying to find a cure. I'm going to see doctors. I'm doing research. I'm, you know, 
finding out any holistic type things like CBD and, and anything that can help me, um, better. And, and I can tell you this stuff is working. Uh, but cure not care is, is Russia's and my approach to a situation that we don't see getting any better, uh, by whether it's our, you know, Medicare, our government or any, it's, it's broken. And I want to make sure that, uh, I have a set of hand controls in every country and that I can help every person I can to stay out of this seat. And at the same time, the ones that are in it are having a better life than what they think they're going to have. So where would people go to find out more about Cure Not Care? Uh, right now, um, you can actually buy T-shirts uh, through or donate on Facebook. Um, there's a lot of n- little new apps that have popped up like uh, Venmo, Um so there's plenty of options. Uh, the shopping cart is not active right now for reasons, and that's be- right. But is there a website that they can go to to learn more yeah, about it? Ab- absolutely, CureNotCare.org. CureNotCare.org. That's what I was looking for. That's the plug I wanted to give you. So thanks for finally giving that. Yeah. Um, so question: Cure Not Care. I, I just question about the game, the name, I get the cure part, but what is the not care? Like you, you don't care how much it's going to take. You're going to come up with the cure. Uh, I'm worth, I'm worth, uh, you know, in medical bills, you know, to understand it, my surgery was in 2003. And if you know anything, surgeries have grown. Um, and mine was $141,000 for three, for four. That is, two and a half days in the hospital and um, I think 27 or 28 days in a UVA rehab, $141,000. And that doesn't include a wheelchair. They sent you home with a loaner. That was for the fusion. That was for the um, uh for the food that was for the aspirin, you know, and, and it wasn't cheap. Um, and nowadays I guarantee you that surgery is probably a quarter mil, um, you know, uh, and, and then they put you on all the pain pills. They put you, uh, you know, on so many other things to go along with it, you know, um, just just for your catheters. And if anybody doesn't understand, you know, what a catheter is, it's I can't fully empty my urine, you know, and, and a lot of people are like that. A lot of people in wheelchairs are like that. Um, and a lot of people that even have knee surgeries and different things that can affect nerves that cause them to have to what we call self self cath. So just to use the bathroom, it's, you know, if you have insurance, you know, you've got a copay. Well, and and I can say my copay just dropped. I don't know why, but still $140 a month just for something, you know, is, is a little expensive. But on an average, if you don't have insurance and you got to have them, that's a total of uh, $1,340 a month, every month. And that's for five to six catheters so that you can make sure you go every four hours. 
So, you know, you had, everything is trained. Uh, thank goodness that, you know, that I had it was blessed with insurance. A lot of them use clean technique, which means that they use one catheter all day long. So you can find Cure Not Care. You can find Keith Hubbard. Uh, I hope you share my bio and a lot of these. I'm looking for a lot of followers and a lot of people that want to do what we're doing. And I mean, it started out with getting laptops. We, I want, I want other, other spinal cord injuries to know you don't have to sit home and not be online. And these are good, these are good machines. You know, we're not, we're not going to give them something that can't do web development. So my ultimate goal is to build a ton of developers that are full of diversity and full of, uh, full of, hope and dreams and if they can do what i do um the more power to them and if i can show them that they can do it um that's kind of rushes in our purpose and uh we're just having so much fun with it and and you know all all of all of these these brands are are online and then i do do consulting work also for others. So I'm just excited about this. Everybody needs to have a little bit of diversity in their company nowadays. And this is one side of it. We've talked about women, but we really, not, not a lot of people uh, are disabled. You know, I mean, I was the first guy in a wheelchair to come to Co Garden. And <laughs> a lot of people didn't know that I was in a wheelchair until I got there. And it was kind of like, whoa, how are we going to do this? Right. How, you know, how this all started and how Turkish Airlines damaged this wheelchair, as far as I'm concerned, something needs to be done. And I'm going to advocate and I'm going to help others. I think the airlines need to tr to treat disability just like anyone else. And I want Congress. I'm not stopping until I get in front of front of somebody that's going to going to help me get this done. And that includes all your representatives and everyone. I want everyone to reach out and say, you know, this needs to be done. Our airlines are a mess. Um, when I landed, when I was leaving Istanbul, they tried to have me uh, sign this form. And this is a waiver form because I'm in a wheelchair and I'm flying by myself. And they pretty much had me sign something, uh, you know, when I that I would not sue them when I got this wheelchair. That stuff's got to stop. Uh, I felt nothing but discriminated leaving Copenhagen. Uh, and that's before they even damaged my wheelchair. I don't know how my wheelchair got damaged. But when I landed in Istanbul, uh, you know, I don't speak. Turkish. I had to translate everything from an iPad. And when I landed, they had me on an aisle chair. So people don't understand when you fly, you know, so they take my chair and they put it in the hole, you know, and then this is the only time I've never been asked if we are to have a plane crash. Uh, and uh, how, how do I need to get you out of the airplane? Do I grab you by your hands or do I grab you by your feet? That's every airline stewardess. Anytime I'm in the United States, they've asked me that in Turkey. So the domestic was better is what you're saying. Uh, no, I'm, I, I, I can say Lathanza and SAS top notch. 
they always they always asked and they were always very professional uh i mean the, some of the rules with turkish airlines disgust me even though i like having an aisle seat but them telling me their reasoning was well in case of a crash uh we don't want somebody to have to step over top of you you know they, so you mean window seat not aisle exactly you know but the way they said it and, and i'm very intuitive was you know well we don't want able-bodied people and that's the nickname i give others you know some people uh have heard me say uh say something i'm just a white boy in a wheelchair but or or i'm pulling the cripple card and it's usually when i'm saying it's a joke and it's amongst friends um but yes they they have an able-bodied mentality they actually look down on the disabled in some ways uh I won't say everyone is like that, but my experience with their staff leaving Copenhagen and and arriving in Istanbul, that bothered me. And it's all in their writing and it's all in their Turkish laws. So my ultimate goal is is, is to address this in the States and in Europe, if you're going to be flying, that there should be a section on every plane uh, for the disabled that is first class so that you can understand their medical needs, so that you can understand they need to go to the bathroom. Uh, they deserve the ability to actually have a bathroom on an airplane. If, they, if they're going to shrink the seats, they can make a sacrifice in other places as far as I'm concerned and do something right. And other than that, yes, that's kind of my feeling. Uh, but if, you've, if you have a um, spinal cord injury, or if you have a family member, or if you know somebody of a family member, I want to build a uh, database and a registry for every single one of them, you know, so that I can make sure and do that. Nobody's done it. Uh, most of these facilities that do this, like Woodrow Wilson Rehab, and that's where I had to go, um, they have their data. But there's so many others that are just sitting out here in in homes and they don't have things. So, you know, the thing that I can say, and it will sound uh, uh, pretty straightforward, but we're, we're setting up things at the farm and setting things up at other places. And in this day and age, I want everybody to call, click or come by and make a donation. That's exactly what I want done. So everyone head on over to curenotcare.org and make a donation. Right. But you can find me on, on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter and a lot of the payment gateways. You can, uh, you can just go straight to a lot of PayPal, Venmo, um, uh, any of these apps, and all you have to do is send to give at curenotcare.org. Okay, good. Give at curenotcare.org. So uh, I usually ask one last question of everyone on the show. So, Keith, who is somebody we both know that would be good for this podcast? Well, you know, I've had such... Uh, that is one of the hardest things in the world to me because I have so many amazing people, but it's somebody that we know. And, um, you know, 
Umbraco changed my life. And uh, there's some people, you know, that I think that you should interview and some of them should, you know, uh, one of the most awesome and greatest persons that I know and has done so much for the community, but he's just such a great guy is Jevin. And I really would, uh, Jevin has done so, so many wonderful things for me and has taught me and made sure to keep me on track ever since I met him. And, you know, um, I cannot think, you know, the other one that I can think of, and I'm going to say it, and that is Neil's. You know, I think one day you need to get to the point to do Neil's. Uh, but those are the two that we both know. And you've already done some others. Um, and I think those are the type of things that would be awesome because they're both great. You know, uh, I, I, I've there is nothing like this community. I found it laying it. Woodrow Wilson Rehab. My mom got me a laptop. I was like, all right, what am I going to do? I cannot, I cannot um, climb in racks anymore. But I can tell you, I do climb in racks and I've got somebody that helps me do it now. But um, to never say never. Exactly. Anything is possible. The impossible just takes longer. That's what I've been taught by meeting so many of you guys. And when I came to came to Denmark, but to actually have a conversation with Niels or Jevin and and just see what they created out of thin air. I mean, I, I found that Yahoo chat room and I was like, because we were I was always in the Microsoft track and I didn't do anything with it. I knew about it then. And then I built my own company called Carbon Tech at the time. And um We've all had a, you know, a lot of us have had failed ventures of doing our own things, and you have to fail numerous times before you succeed. And, and um, you know, this last time at Code Garden, I got to have a great conversation with Niels. I got to have some great conversations with Jevin. Um, Jevin has spent so much time showing me things, showing the right way, and, and really being, you know, and if you get to listen to Jevin, for whether it's, you know, regarding a problem, he teaches someone every day. He spends more time on his knees than he probably needs to, but that's, that's just him. And, uh, it's amazing. It's just amazing. You know, I've, I've had a computer in my hand since, since the uh, Commodore 64 and, um, I don't know anything different. I, I, I uh, I, but I was never a programmer and Jevin has helped me become a programmer. You know, I was a net, I was a network engineer. Jevin, you know, there's so many others that I could say uh, that I can just think of that I met at my first code garden. Uh, all of you, you know, um, the, I have to do this one plug, and that is the Bob and Kevin show is awesome, and I love it. <laughs> That's okay. And, They're a sponsor of the show, so they get a live read at the beginning of each episode anyway. Well, it doesn't matter. You can get a plug from me because I'm sharing it everywhere. And that's that's just that's just the way it is. I've I've got so many great things happening. I'm meeting some really good friends. You know, I'm having so much fun. I just filmed a comedy show down here and and had a great friend of mine that is that is, she is just all I can say is she's she's amazing as well. And um, and she she's got a great comedy skit. 
And that's the only other person that I would definitely think uh, would be a great interview, but you haven't met her yet. So, Well, hey, Keith, we are about an hour and 12 minutes into this right now, and I got to go get some dinner. So I I think uh, we should just go ahead and uh, wrap this up. I can totally uh, reserve the right to invite you back because there's a lot of stuff we still have to talk about. Um, uh, I've had a great time learning about your your journey so far, and and I know that everyone listening has probably loved it too. So uh, is there anything that uh, you want to say as some parting words here today? You got it. Well, I'll say, I'll say one one last thing, and that is high five, you rock. High five, you rock right back at you, Keith, and thanks again. Thanks. All right, so that was great to learn about Keith and his journey and his wonderful uh, organization, CureNotCare.org. You can visit the website and click the Donate Now button, or you can actually use one of the many uh, charitable organization giving apps, and you can send a donation to give at CureNotCare.org and really help Keith out and his mission Uh, I'm sure we'll have Keith on again in the near future. Looking forward to next week, we actually have Chris Demnick from Australia on the show. And she's a a wonderful and amazing human being and does a lot with uh, mindfulness. And she has a... uh, a new venture that we'll talk about, I'm sure. But uh, Chris and I go back a while and we'll have lots of stories to share as well. So check it out next week. And until then, have a great one. Bye.